welcome to Dark Side of the Moon. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Aldo Antui. We got Karen Mack in the back, and this is Dark Side of the Moon. Let's get this show on the road, motherfuckers. All right, no, we're back, Ooh. and we brought back an Avenger with us, the man himself, Ooh. Don Shanahan. And Don, I mean, you talked about this a long time ago. You may be coming on the show and talking about Captain America First Avenger sometime. And finally, right. fruition, you're here. We're going to break down this awesome, like, uh, no, uh, propaganda-esque action movie from, like, a war movie. It's like, it has a lot of things rolled up in it. But, like, Don, were you excited when Captain America was coming out? And how do you think the movie's aged since? Uh, I, I was, uh, as a... We talked about this when we did our talking points recently on on the DC stuff. Uh, Superman's my number one all time favorite hero, and I I like him because you know as a as an American Midwesterner, you know it's kind of that true blue Midwestern values, like yeah. just a boy scout, just a, a boy scout, a legit good guy. And we've had mm. a generation and a half since of all these little tweeners and antiheroes, and that's sexy in itself. Like Wolverine's a bad guy, and Punisher's a bad guy who just happens to be good. And every incarnation of Batman since the '80s has been about you know just doing. Yeah, making evil things tolerable enough to be heroic. Mm. So when a true blue Boy Scout good guy comes around, I like those kind of guys. And Superman's my number one, which makes Captain America something I was excited for. And to see them at the time when it came out, uh, gosh, it's going to be 11 years this year. I was excited because I like the filmmaker making it, and I like that they were going, period. Yeah, Joe Johnson's a solid guy. And I like the, the period aspect they were doing with it because – I we think we all saw the writing on the wall at the time that wow they're gonna they're gonna build to some Avengers stuff. Well, how are they gonna do Captain America in 2011 versus you know when they kind of did it sort of in the comic way in the 60s where you know a put you know putting golf style 20 years into the future in the 60s is one thing you know driving the ball down the fairway 70 years to you know post 9/11 2011 is going to be another story. How does that Captain America look and work? And I was excited because they made it better. Like that, that amount of time that he lost as a man out of time was even better than if it was a blip of 20 years. Now we've got a blip of 70 and everything about what he has is gone and different. And yeah, I was super excited. I enjoyed the film then. Um, I think it's aged wonderfully. I'm a, I'm a, one of those film critics that's kind of an asshole because I do this whole thing where I, uh, I separate best from favorite. Like there's, I'm a true believer like in guilty pleasures where like, what's my the, the movie I use for the rule for this is uh, Anaconda. You know the snake movie with uh, Jennifer Lopez and John, John Voight. Voight's accent in yeah. that movie, incredible. That movie's that movie's fucking terrible, yeah, but I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, I love it. I went yeah. to the cinema and I don't even remember like John Voight said he just watched a lot of Scarface yeah. during the making. That's where the accent came yeah. from. Because right? yeah. that's the energy you needed to bring to Anaconda. It's, right. It's very much so a Scarface type film. Right. <laughs> but but I could step back and look at Anaconda and go, gosh, that's a trashy fucking movie. But I <laughs> have so much matter. fun. It yeah, yeah I know. And but that but because but because of that, like I can recognize that I, I do the whole I separate best from favorite. Yeah. It's a magical thing when something can be both. Don't get me wrong. When something is made of extremely good artistic quality and hits all the feels and is is a magical thing. Like to me, very few movies get to be both. Yeah. Some always have land a little bit best and land a little bit favorite. The other 
the polar end of that other rule is something like Schindler's List from Spielberg. Like, I'll never watch that movie again. It's torture. It's hard. It's difficult. It, it's not a sunny movie. I've seen it. Well, right. But but it's so, so, so good. Like, yeah. in terms of its craft and how they made it and the emotionality where that's the other end of the rule is the Anaconda Schindler's List rule in my house. So, so that's how I do best versus... So that's how I do best versus favorite. So for me, Captain America the First Avenger is my favorite MCU film. Love it to pieces. Is it maybe the quote-unquote best because of all the dangling things you can measure and do? Uh, maybe not, but it's my favorite. Yeah. And Noel, for you? I, sorry, yeah. Can I? Because he's he's touched upon a lot of the things that even just pre-recording we're talking about. I remember watching this film and going, "This is so pure." Yes. Um, Great word for is, it. This is uh, sword in the stone, um, where there, it's not just uh, you needed to be worthy. And I know, like Thor's mm-hmm. hammer is always a great, a great. But like at the same time, Thor like became worthy. Apparently, I, I felt like when Steve Rogers was worthy, it was so glaringly obvious. He jumped mm-hmm. on the grenade. He was yeah. this tiny little like eighty-seven pound man who was going, still wanted to go into war. And when he failed, uh, like uh, a, a, phys- a physio or whatever like uh, evaluation. That uh, he would, as opposed to feeling somebody like, frankly, like me, who would feel mm. like he's got off the, doesn't have to go and die, essentially, because that's what mm. that war was, make no mistake. Right. Uh, but he went again and went again. As in, he, that's, that was his character. And I always thought that he wasn't just bitten by a spider or sent mm. to a planet that the, the locals, the closest star would make him a god. Yeah. It was him. He was like, Steve Rogers was always a superhero. And then he was met a superhero, and and it couldn't have been anybody else. And I always thought that right. that's what got me into comics when I was a kid. I thought the purity of that has never been replicated in cinema since. Not yeah. for me. Not yeah. for me. I think. Did, like, so did this movie replicate it enough? To like, me, was to this me, a, to, to me yeah. yes. I, I actually, me and Vinny, I'm just going to, and I don't think we should delve down this hole, Vinny, so I'm just going to place over for <laughs> when, when Falcon and Winter, uh, Falcon and Wilhelm Soldier yeah. came out, they, they had perfected the serum. So now if I injected you in your forehead and Vinny and his fucking ass yeah, and whatever, we we're all super soldiers. <laughs> yeah, and I was I like, that. no, because like Red Skull uh-huh. was such an inversion of it, yeah. even mm-hmm. though he got the physicality of it, 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 dis- it brought the ugliness that was inside of him to the core. Yeah. Mr. Rogers. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I just remember when I watched this, I actually made me almost a little bit emotional. And it wasn't even about the film. I remember being, I was born in 1983. So yeah. I grew up in the, like, I have memories mm-hmm. of the 80s. I grew up in the 90s. And I read those yeah. comics, man. I read those. Yeah, my granny knew too. I like comics. So she used to buy me. I was spoiled by my grandmother. And she used to buy me these comics. I used to read them. And that made me, it was the only film that ever made me feel like that kid again. Only mm-hmm. one. Because it was so yeah. pure. And that is yeah. my biggest takeaway. My biggest tip of the cap to this is the purest superhero movie I've ever seen. Well, one thing I liked about Steve Rogers in particular of all the MCU uh, heroes is that what if even showed it in the Captain Carter episode that no matter what, no matter with the serum, without the serum, Steve Rogers is a true blue hero. It doesn't yeah. matter if he's six foot two and he's ripped like the way he is as Captain America. It doesn't matter if he's a puny, he's not an 87 pound dude. And it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. He is a true blue hero. And that's one thing I yeah. loved about it. And it's like, he's destined to be a hero in one shape or another. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be that he ended up getting the serum as Captain yeah. America. He would have made sure he got on the battlefield one way or another. Like. 
I can leap tall buildings in a single bound, but if I have to right. run up the stairs, I will. Mm. <laughs> right. And that, no, that it's... shit right there was Steve Rogers. Yeah. yeah. I can and do they've... this all day. And even between Marvel and DC, they've overdone the whole reluctant hero thing. Like, but yeah. when 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 heroics or powers are thrust upon people who aren't ready, I hate that overplayed trope and story because I'm they, only now realizing I do too. Right, when you say like it, when you say yeah. It, Jeff. So or or, or, or movies think they need to do that route to like make them look more human or something like that, and they do that to characters that don't need it. That's why I thought, and here's a crazy way of thinking, and I know this is a tangent away from Captain America, but like Captain Marvel with Brie Larson, where she's an ass kicker fighter pilot and then stays an ass kicker fighter pilot with powers. Yeah, like I like that. That's a little bit not as pure as Captain America in the true blue sense, but as pure as the uh, hey, my attitude is the same no matter if I'm this or that. Yeah, I when like I dug. That about her, just stay true yeah. to the character. Yeah, that should have been the Green Lantern movie. You know, because Ryan Reynolds, who's supposed to be a cocky ass, awesome fighter pilot, and, and Hal Jordan is a cocky ass, confident fighter pilot, but the, you do the, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Blake Lively, you're so hot. What happened? And like all that shit. Like they watered all that down yeah. in the DC end. And that, funny thing is, that's the same year this movie came out. And we see one next to the other and go, man, home run. And then, you know, a foul ball to the outfield stands and with Green Lantern, where I love that word that you said, Noel, purity. Purity got it right. Yeah, it's a, it's just a pure adventure movie. That, that's one thing about it. It's yeah. like like it um uh, like I said to know before we started recording. It's like I loved the way Marvel like they could have so easily done and a lot of uh, its contemporaries would have done is had the the nineteen forty era uh, be twenty minutes of the movie. They would have yeah. had uh, they would have burst would were straight through it. They would have had the finale being the first twenty minutes. There would have crash landed and all of a sudden Red Skull and Steve Rogers are battling it out in twenty eleven. Love the way Marvel like no, we're going to differentiate every movie from each other. The tone that they need to be, uh, to, 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 that they need to set, we're going to allow them to set that tone. If Thor needs to be a fantasy movie, it's going to be a fantasy movie. If Captain um, uh, Captain America needs to be a 1940s kind of um, militaristic propaganda kind of thing, it shows yeah. two different sides of the war, and um, it, it just it gives you an idea of that. Like Marvel are saying, this is the scope of our universe. It runs throughout the ages. We've got real depth, real history. We're going to show you different subgenres within our uh, within our run. And they did that from the offset. And I thought because they they kind of they didn't bite the ch- uh, or chomp at the bit to make the movie or rush it into the modern era, it gave it a real individualistic tone in the first yes. movies. Yes. You know? Very much so. And it, they still was- and they still pack a lot into this movie. The movie is only two hours and ten minutes compared to these two and a half hour monster movies we have now that are too big. But look how much this movie covers. You have the Brooklyn origins. You have a little bit of Bucky introduction and the whole Tony Stark thing. You have um, Howard, Stark. Uh, Howard Stark. I'm sorry. You've got the Erskine stuff and the, obviously the basic training that gets you there. His origin with the experiment. Then all of the whole propaganda USO tour stuff. And then it takes him – what an hour to get to actually World War Two and yeah. have the battles and have it all wonderfully snowball from there into the one hundred seven and stuff. Yeah, but that takes a long time to get there. Where you're right, that's something that is thrust forty five minutes into another movie that they take their sweet time and get to in this one. Yeah. He earns it. Eric Banner's Hulk. We mm-hmm. all absolutely lost our shit, and right, this all was a terrible yeah. movie. But it was. I think it was like. Famously, I think it's between the 45 and the 50 minute mark yeah. that the Hulk actually shows up. And everyone's talking about how it wasn't even a film. 
Um, <laughs> but what you're saying, he made him like, fight a giant poodle, no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, but with 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 um, and I hate Orange. I just seen the Orange film too many times. But with Steve Rogers, I I digged it. Because you haven't did. seen this origin movie before. That's yes. why. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I haven't seen because it's not like, and then he's a loser kid in school. Because for right. me, like one of the more boring ones would be Spider-Man. Exactly. Got bit by a spider. I mean, let's yeah. not. Yeah, whatever he was. He got bit by a spider. <laughs> the radioactive spider. Like that. Let's not. Let's not get dogged into the bush. Uh-huh. Yeah. But like Steve Rogers is a super, is a superhero because Destined. of something that happens to some. And I always think like when you when you look at stories and there's always a thing in your head where you like to, where you say like if that was me I'd run mm-hmm. into that burning building. Mm-hmm. As Steve Rogers before he got superpowers proved that he was that thing that we could be but we haven't been tested. Right. I'd be like, oh no, if that was me, I'd do this. If that was me, I'd do that. No, I don't know. I, I I have no doubt that if it was one of your kids that was in trouble, I've no doubt. I've absolutely sure. no doubt. But I'm just saying where where there is a part of your brain that can say, maybe this is too dangerous or something. Mm-hmm. But you do it anyway. Like absolutely right. pure hero. Steve Rogers did that, and that's a thing that you always want to know in your brain if you could be tested. It's something that I've definitely definitely admit to thinking about. Yeah. And he's the only superhero in that. Superman came to Earth and did right, but mm-hmm. like so what? Like he was given this power. Steve Rogers, I don't know. This is why me and Benny both agreed that in the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, that we can talk about this in twenty twenty two, when they perfected the serum, that yeah. pissed us both off. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's supposed to be. It waters like, it down. It doesn't make it special anymore. It yeah. should have been. It's not special, man. It's not special if it's essentially like a fucking steroid shot, or if it's, yeah. it's a fucking it's like cigarette, a or if it's a beer. Or if it's it's like the dude in yeah. um, Incredible says, "If everybody's special, nobody is." Right. You know what I mean? And I think that I, I, I quote that movie way too much. So really, that's and a course, movie. Falcon, <laughs> really, Falcon yeah. became special <laughs> by not taking the serum. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like they inverted it. it. I, it's I like um, that, it's like what the doctor said. Um, what was his name? Sorry, uh, the the German dude. Hersky. Yeah, Hersky Stanley Tucci. Tucci. But it's like yeah, he said, it's like, it's like you can't give it to a bully because it would uh-huh. just it amplifies the person. That has yeah. to be the right person at the right time in their kind mm-hmm. of their mind or in their life that they can actually mm-hmm. ascend. To this heroic stage because otherwise yeah. you could have just you can't give it to the biggest guy you gotta no. give it to the best guy the right guy you know what mm-hmm. i mean and that's what because all like. rogers wanted to be was enough yeah not exactly more, yeah not exactly less. that's a perfect, perfect way to put it that's a perfect way to put yeah, it yeah. that he, he could do, he, that he could if he needed to get someone out of a car he could pull that goddamn door off yeah the car. and if or he could catch up with it he could, could, run, he could, he could bloody window, run you know that kind of thing like you know and and the cool and the cool thing is the movie boils that down so nicely with the way Tucci talks and delivers all those little side speeches and encouragement. Like it, he says, he says it so simply of stay a good man. That's it. He, not that you go be a good man, become a good man, stay. Yeah. He was one, like what Noel's talking about. He always was one. Stay that way even when, big, when things get easier yeah. for you. Like that's a beautiful thing. It's so simple. Yeah. And for me, that I was again for somebody that is over. That's why I love Tom Holland was introduced to us as Spider Man. He's a real true yeah. blue hero as well. Tom Holland Spider Man. He's legit too. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Part. But he, yeah, he, he absolutely is. But I was so over the origin film, and even when I look back on them, I'm already I'm over them. Even when I enjoyed yeah. them at the time, but I'm yeah. not. But, but for this, I wouldn't have this film any other way. And we've been talking about this for for a little while now. And we haven't even particularly got into any of the scenes yeah because i think the oh the, again uh, the word i always use macro i think the mm-hmm. macro of this is so fascinating oh yeah, yeah. definitely 
that the I, micro, as in, do you remember the scene where Bucky trained, blah, 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 we can get into that as much what, as we yeah, want. I think we this, loved the setup. I think the biggest, setup word awesome. you, the biggest word that you could really use with Captain America First Avengers is foundations. Yes. And that's what they did. They just they, It was the end of phase one, but it was mm-hmm. the beginning of a phase two, phase three. All these little things like the Winter Soldier, Bucky's background, like, you know, Red Skull even makes an appearance in phase four. Right. It's just a, a very foundational and even. And even the uh, when uh, Schmidt Red Skull is like talking about and finding the test rack, we still see the tree motif that shows up in Thor and the dragon and on the box. Like you know, all all the little seeds are planted. Where you're right, foundation is big. I think also to go with that master plan, the way I you know, the way I like to talk about with Feige making the whole blueprint. Like they knew all along, maybe they knew all along this would be a period piece above all things because. Mm-hmm. Even now, you know, three and a half phases later, this is chronologically the earliest MCU film where if people are going to go do that whole saga and start here, you've done what an amazing start. Like if, if, if you were to whole, replay the whole thing chronologically and start here, what a great place to start. Like you yes. get so much out of it. You, you yeah. mentioned Red Skull, Don. Um, like, mm-hmm. if we have a true blue hero, and we all love a true blue hero because, like, everybody, as you said, it's forced conflict all the time. Like, in Spider-Man 3, me and Noah spoke, was like, well, MJ and Peter just still have conflict. Yeah, fuck, yeah. Just let, move on and involve the relationship. Yeah. Why know? can't she sing even more songs? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah. uh, one thing I hate is, like, the forced conflict, and I love true blue heroes. And uh, one thing I also love is a true blue villain. Yes. And, uh, and that's what uh, Schmidt is, the Red Skull, played by Hugh yeah. Weaving. No, no redeeming qualities, no <laughs> tragic backstory, just straight fucking evil. evil. You I get, love and it. you get to hate him. Two Nazis. Yes. Two Nazis. And they went full polarity. Full yeah. polarity. Don't yeah. fuck around. Go full polarity. One thing don't, I don't, love don't, about um, Nazis and anyone associated with Nazis, even in like a PG-13 movie, you can kill them at will and nobody yeah. bats an eyelash. <laughs> right. The, that's true. The body count in this movie is probably one of the more sizable ones in an MCU yeah, film. Yeah, Captain Murky throws a couple of guys out of an airplane. <laughs> Fuck yeah. 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 Like an old woman nobody ever shot. says, can we please think about the Nazis? I mean, yeah, exactly. No. That's the thing. Like, you know, nah. I'm like, wait. Yeah, it's like Hydra are too extreme for the Nazis. It's like, yeah, let Captain America yeah. kill him like a motherfucker. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Do we have anything close to as true blue of a villain anywhere else in the MCU than Red Skull? Thanos we have a lot of... Well, like, who? He had, no, see, had, Thanos has that whole tragic backstory, or the, they try the to do the... And he has his weird the reason. The universe. Like, yeah. ultimately, what he's doing is best for the universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's so huge a concept. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's even a good... Yeah, you're right. Like, some oh, of just... Not even Green Goblin. He was incredible. William Dafoe. Yeah, but we still get the tragic ending of that yeah. guy, too, you know? So, I'm trying to think through other villains. This because even like, the... Venom versus Carnage sucking was kind of like, I know uh, it's Sony, but it's, it's, no, but I'm, I'm with you. Like Venom, pure... Venom should be a badass motherfucker. He should be the scariest guy Spider-Man ever meets. Somebody yeah. bigger, stronger, and better, and more evil than he'll ever be. And the movies with Hardy have made him into a two-talking do- boob of a yeah. character. Yeah. And someday, whenever Hardy's Venom, because that seems to be the plan, ever crosses over with this Tom Holland Spider-Man, it's gonna look so stupid. Because he's just not scary, you know, and he should be he should be really fucking scary. Yes. Carnage should be even scarier, and neither one of them are made to be scary. Not when it's Woody Harrelson doing the hayseed criminal thing. Yeah. Like, come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, something I mentioned on our uh, yearly roundup on pair of rankers was that uh, without Venom is nothing without Spider-Man. Spider-Man can exist without can't Venom, have... but Venom cannot yeah. exist without Spider-Man. It makes exactly. No sense. It makes no That's sense. why these two movies have been utterly pointless. Yeah. Pointless. Bring it back to Captain America, I would actually yes, say please. that. Sorry, that, that Red Skull and yeah. Captain America could exist without each other, yeah. but they sure. complement each other perfectly. Yes, like, they just Great way of saying it. each other to have it. They're, they're two sides of a coin. Yeah, mm. they're so perfectly two sides of a coin because the thing about Red Skull is his intentions are pure in the absolute fucked up world that is his mind. Right. Yeah. Right, because I agree. it's not like, and now it's, I'm going to like rob old ladies, steal pensions. Yeah. It's no. not. It's like, no, this is what the world no. should be. And that was yeah. what was so fucking scary. It's an ideology. It's an ideology. Yes. You but some part of them realizes that to hurt people and kill people who have done you no wrong this way is twisted. And that, yeah. that also came to the surface. And, and then, when you think about that, it's one of the darker marvel films oh and yeah it doesn't feel like it and it didn't lean into it but it's mm -hmm. there and then it's mythologically enhanced because he's he, he, he easily once he gets that cube he's got the power that is damn near unstoppable the power of the oh, gods yeah. he says you know like, 16, like yeah. it, 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 and we could do the whole power corrupts life lesson thing that that is overplayed in a thousand places but it's not even that you, you power he was already corrupted. Now you give him power. Like there, there's yes. no like. It's yeah. not like the cube turned him. He no. was always this bad, and it's just going to be made worse. So yeah, like, and I like how Marvel has leaned into it at least enough where Hydra's kind of never really gone away, and that's kind of a cool thing because in the comics Hydra never really does go away and should always kind of be around somewhere. And I'm waiting for a Hydra you know, uh, influence or presence here in phase four. Like I thought it might show up a little bit in Falcon winter soldier where maybe the flag smashers would have got like picked up or recruited or just something, you know, I can't think of Hydra as being gone post blip, you know? Yeah. It's I around. Something's coming. I think what you'll see is probably they'll slap a new name on it and it'll be Hydra and everything but name only, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I think that's what they'll do. Yeah, to, I think because, he's right. I think because he's right. if, I think if they bring Hydra out now, post Steve Rogers, that it might feel old hack in terms of what they... Uh, Maybe, people, yeah. You might see it as lack of progression because um, what they need now, I think, is to create a new rogues gallery for Sam Wilson for Captain America 4. Um, do, you think that's, do you think that's Thunderbolts? Uh, well, maybe, villains yeah. turn into pretend I heroes. I'd like to see Thunderbolts. I really I, would. I, yeah. I think now that Baron Zemo's loose, I I think they're gonna go there. Wait, you know, heard it here possible. first. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, but I mean, but you got well, you got you got Daniel Bruhl out there. Who else? You have um, William Hurt is it? Well, yeah, well, do you got uh, William Hurt? He'll still be the General Secretary Ross thing. Like he's. Yeah. We'll never get a Hulk story of true General Rossness. That's all gone, done and gone at this point. But no, I think you got Baron Zemo loose where someday maybe a little power broker in, mixed in there. Like the seeds are there to do something Thunderbolt. So who else? I'm missing a villain that's out in the now that can be turned into. A lot of Captain America villains have been killed, haven't they? Yeah. Already? I don't know. Yeah. But um, uh, so, what do you think of the supporting cast? We looked at the we looked at the protagonist. We looked at the antagonist, mm -hmm. and um, we got a uh, safe pair of hands, Tommy Lee Jones, and then we also got uh, the introduction of Peggy Carter, played by yeah. what's that? Haley Atwell. Haley yeah. Atwell, yeah, and she even ended up getting her own spin-off show because she was so mm -hmm. popular in the movie. So, um, what did you make of Haley Atwell's performance? Was, do you like seeing her coming back as uh, Agent Carter in the What If episode recently? 
I did, and I, I really enjoy her because a fresh face. You know, I, I looked at just for trivia purposes. I'm like, well, who was considered at the time for that part? And it was some of the big names that were out at that time, like Kira Knightley, and just known actresses with established resumes who just happened to be British, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but but to get a fresh face and to get somebody with with some stature, like she's got some screen because she's a, a voluptuous woman in any kind of way she just is forceful and, and played that character just so uh just ironclad and hard i really enjoyed that and she, and of course of that era as well didn't she oh yeah of that era and she man she earned every bit of that, that tv series that she got after it. and i really enjoyed those really two good. seasons of show really the good. second season gets a little silly yeah in terms of like you know the the overarching worldy things going but that first season of like post steve still kind of feeling my way about uh, you know a woman and a man world that was really good first season solid second season just a little bit the california stuff but no she she earned a good place i really enjoyed that they they've snuck her in a few cameos here and there like with ant-man and the aging like she aged into shield some more yeah and of course her arc as it finishes as the mcu continues is wonderful um but no she's wonderful uh, Tommy Lee Jones, anytime a red ass Tommy Lee Jones can just come in and fuck with people, drop his little lines and just 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 be just surly. I yeah. love it, you know. And at the end, he's like, 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 I'm not gonna kiss you. No, but uh, like 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 the steak scene alone, like just some, that that's a Tommy Lee Jones thing. Like I'm gonna have this scene which could be very blank and two camera of hard ass guy trying to pump for information. But here's Tommy Lee Jones, like I'm gonna I'm just gonna act this scene all surly and stuff. I'm gonna eat a fucking steak. While I do it, and you know, cut it all perfect. You know, just, just that's Tommy Lee Jones. And if that character is played by, I don't know, anybody less who's just trying to do a General Patton impression, it would just be cartoonish and silly. But it's yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, so that helps a lot. Um, I never thought we would have this much substance come out of Sebastian Stan. Yes. Like I thought, oh, like this is a one movie thing that we get a Bucky thing, and it's if it so turns into now. winter. Sorry, it tur- not to speak over you, though, but I yeah. remember um, just, yeah, around about this time, um, I remember he got like a five or six film fucking mm-hmm. contract. And, and in my head, I went, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. I'm like, yeah, you're thinking big. You're t- but like, don't get me wrong. Like, Robert Downey Jr. has got a five mm-hmm. film extent. Yes. Yeah. Chris, How- yes. And I remember just it's seen, like, seen oh, Sebastian Stan had. And honestly, in my brain, I went, no, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know. Is he going to like? Is it going to be like? Is he I've going never to heard be of him. Referenced in so. Oh man, me I, neither. Either mm. Yeah. I, man, I didn't when he showed up in Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Sorry, I, I've stolen the microphone. It's okay. From you, Doc. When he showed up in Winter Soldier, I didn't recognize. Him. I was yeah. just like because I hadn't seen him. He wasn't a big enough thing. He'd been gone since Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, and uh, I, 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 but at the same time, fucking hell, Ma- macro, man. Yeah, macro, yeah. Macro, like, macro. Talk These about the world building. Dudes. They're, no, they're, they do play three-dimensional chess. They truly yeah. do. I, 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 I think we kind of knew the possibility was Sorry, there no, when I'm he signed just, that picture. We knew the possibility was there when he signed that big deal like, hey, they might get to Winter Soldier someday. Yeah. And then they did so quickly, which was fine because it turned out good. And you had the 70-year acceleration where all of that stuff worked. And he's been a, a viable Avenger since then. And I think 
the nice part about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is they've been able to make him full circle because he's had such a catastrophic change from being a brainwashed villain to a recovered hero. And then they finally got to address that next to Sam Wilson in the show. And it just helped a ton. And yeah, that actor has been wonderful since like I, Tanya, I just, um, here, I'll, I'll heard it here first kind of thing. Um, Hulu sent me, uh, the early episodes of, uh, he's playing Tommy Lee, yeah. Uh, the the old Motley Crue guy next to Pam Anderson oh, in yeah, their yeah, love yeah. story, and I've seen the first couple episodes of Pam and Tommy. It's from the people who did I Tanya with him, and it's it's gonna be a TV series like a mini series. But he he's just crazy, you know, doing the whole you know tattooed rocker thing, and of course getting to bang Pamela Anderson's amazing. So, oh yeah, he he. Would recommend. A, he, he can go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, would recommend. It's coming out like in February. I've seen it early. Honesty, uh, you know, completely honest, I haven't actually banged Pam Anderson. Mm. I, I think I just need to walk back my comments. <laughs> <there>. Right. <laughs> but no, sorry, so, uh, sorry, you allegedly had yeah. sex with Pam Anderson. <laughs> 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 but then uh, the last piece of the supporting cast that uh, that I think deserves some attention is um, oh I'm gonna miss it is like you said the macro stuff like even the little tiny parts like the Howling Commandos and Neil McDonough uh, yeah yeah Neil McDonough's a fun little part and they, they he gets to show up in a Peggy Carter episode mm-hmm. or Agent Carter episode later which is a nice a nice touch and then um, yeah Tucci Stanley Tucci like he's good in everything he's in and he has such range like he's the at the same time he was doing this he was the smiling game show guy on the Hunger Games and you're like wait that's the same Stanley yeah. Tucci and What's like, like he, he could do anything being, um, them lovely boys Stanley Tucci like right yeah. he's amazing yeah yeah. Stanley, there was uh, Core was that the name of the film uh, oh, the Core yeah, the core. yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> I lived in Dublin um, love that movie Huh? Back in 2005. That's a cheese. That's another cheesy one. Yeah. Like it's uh, terrible, but I'll watch. I know, yeah. Yeah. In, in 2005, you know, you didn't. Yeah. Not everyone. I love disaster. Rented apartments in Dublin mm-hmm. had internet, and a friend of mine gave me some DVDs, and he said, "This one's called Core." Stanley Tucci did it. Meant nothing to me, and even when I was watching it, I didn't know which one was Stanley fucking Tucci. Yeah, I didn't. But I remember just kind of going, "That dude is fucking." Code. and he's like oh yeah. yeah no that was Stanley Tucci and that was my introduction to the man love him and again yeah. every... sometimes the it's the B string that makes it do you know what yes. I mean it it's is. the yeah. Wayne's World thing I know Stanley Tucci has can do better isn't it like you know Stanley Tucci's just kind of like always been like this middle aged very skinny mm-hmm. kind of bald, balding man with hair and, this, and maybe yeah. it just doesn't have that whatever like especially in a film with a Chris Evans is fucking really right. beautiful fucking man uh, yeah. Biggest picks uh, I've ever seen, apart from Henry Cavill yeah. the Superman. Yeah, oh, gorgeous fuck man. Me yeah. sideways. That right. guy can act. Like that guy just seems like he doesn't hear the word action. That he's just always no. in mode. One, one thing yeah. I do like, right? I know Stanley Tucci is like a, a ridiculously talented, layered actor and stuff. But like mm-hmm. you touched upon about, like he didn't have the looks of a Steve Rogers or a Chris Evans. And even though Chris Evans is cosmetically like you know the true bluest, the kind of way you'd want a superhero to look, throughout his mm. trilogy. I think he's grown into his role uh, every yeah. bit as much as like uh, you can't even I see agree. Robert Downey Jr. grow into his role because he's playing himself and exaggerating yeah. himself to an Yeah, no, Robert Downey Jr. like was like Robert Downey Jr. with yeah. a suit that can fly. Like, right. One thing I liked about Captain America is like, even in the action sequences when he's first using the shield, he even looks slightly more awkward than he would in like a Winter Soldier. Totally. He's, like, he's reaching into the sky to grab it on the way down yeah. instead of letting it just arrive back to him, oh. you know, that kind of thing. Like. Yeah. Or even that first scene when he breaks out of the lab to chase the spy and he's trying to run and turn the corner and he can't do it. He's like, I don't even know how big. to run in this body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
love it. Just those simple things like that, where or or of course those moments and scenes where he doesn't know how to talk to women still, and like Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones gets a hold of him for that kiss, and like just awkward. Like he is still the little guy underneath the big frame that he becomes. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm with you where. He has really nice growth through the MCU and, of course, gets a wonderfully earned ending later. But I also, what like you said about Foundations, um, I think this movie is absolutely essential because without Captain America, nothing after it works. I mean, yeah. he's that field general leader you have to have, or at least somewhere, somewhere somebody has to be the true blue hero yeah. that, that, that forges every that kind of, I don't know, just kind of hammers everybody Carousing. together. Yeah, like without him... You can't make a movie with just Iron Man pointing the way and being cool. You can't do it with Thor. He's the linchpin, and he's been the linchpin ever since. Now, I know you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, of course, is the popular guy, and he gets the great death at the end of Endgame, but I I was equally emotional just watching Steve get a happy ending years yeah. later. Like, that's so and earned and him, wonderful. Like, do you want to share it? He's like, no. No, well, I don't good. think I will. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, yeah, I have yeah, one problem like... with that ending. <laughs> okay, let's How hear it. How many times that Benny, I asked Benny, will <laughs> you, like, send me this or send me this? And he sends me the gif of old Steve Rogers saying, no. I don't think I will. <laughs> he went sending me that gift with yeah. more yeah. effort than I the said thing that, I asked him to do. Yeah, I said that to I said that to Will. Um Will was giving me um uh, trash for not having him come on the Captain America episode. That's him already. Right. And I sent him a little dialogue thing on Facebook and it was like, you it was like, Hey man, can I come on Captain America? And I sent him the gift was like, No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like dickhead. <laughs> yeah, my podcast co-host can keep his cheeky little Ant Man shit. That's worthless to me. Like he, he's, he's your, he's your. I mean, no offense. Uh, you guys, you can tell him I said this when you get to the Ant Man shows. But like, Ant Man to me is is a sideshow, worthless sidekick hero. Like it, it's cute, and they're doing the Scott Lang thing instead of the Hank Pym thing, where they're doing the modern Ant Man instead of the old traditional Ant Man. And but I always found. Michael Douglas's story, and now that they've incorporated Michelle Pfeiffer and the old Wasp stuff and yeah. the Shield stuff and the Peggy Carter stuff, like the history of that character is more interesting than the present of that character. And yeah. we'll never get a history movie, which is fine. Yeah, but I think what they did—he he can keep his little Paul Rudd love probably, child stuff. They probably did Scott Lang and Hank Pym because uh, singularly Scott Lang didn't have the same it, uh, ethos. Right, like, there's no right. backstory there. So because he didn't have yeah. that kind of to come forward, so what you need to do is you have to have an aged Hank Pym mm-hmm. with that built-in history to avoid an origin movie. And now you can yeah. have your cake and eat it too, where you have your you modern... You still get an origin movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean? Yeah. So you have your origin movie boss, you have all this built-in legacy mm-hmm. from Hank Pym's... Training montage, the use, yeah, you know. Yeah, but like, yeah. Uh, um, so we, we talked about the, the, the villains, the heroes, the sporting cast and all this... But like one thing I always want to talk about, and I always say this, it, is the suits. What did you make yeah. of the? Because superhero movies is very important. The aesthetic. I, I do love. I do like that. I thought this was so silly when me and Ben start doing it. <laughs> I do it every the time. Of it. I it's a superhero time. film, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's my favorite. I, I came around. I came around. I when I was a kid, say. man. When I was a kid, I, I could never draw. But all the things I always tried to draw were superhero costumes. Always, yeah, same here. Always. Like, I could never do it, but like I'm always interested because, like, as I said, aesthetically, it has to be correct. It has to capture mm-hmm. something from the page. It has to, like, it has to modernize yeah. the, the source material, but at the same time, it has to pay homage to it. So, like, uh, what did you think of the design of the Captain America suit? Was it air appropriate? The, the first shield before we see yeah. the iconic shield done? You go. 
No, I think um, the, the surprising thing was, and I think this was part of the, the suspect nature fans had with it back in 2011 before it came out, was the two suspect things I think a lot of fans hung on was like, all right, well, you got Chris Evans in here? That's that's Johnny Storm. What do you, how are you bringing him in? Like, can't you get somebody yeah. else? That Because before this movie came out, no one was sold on Chris Evans. Yeah. And then thing number two was when the when the first like concept art started to come on and some of the first like leaked images came out it was that very the world war ii suit the very strappy suit nothing very you know tight it looked like a big like kevlar armor and the red wine blue was very muted and, and just a different look but i liked it because i like it because it's it's period appropriate and and uh, activity appropriate. Where, yeah, a dude out there in super bright spandex jumping into battle just doesn't make sense. In you know, it's the it's the old Wolverine joke from X Men. What do you would you prefer, yellow spandex? Yeah. Like, so <laughs> a movie, that, yes. yeah, a movie finally addressed that and made legitimate costumes and props to the costume designer uh, and B Shepard. Like, made something I thought was was just kind of perfect for what it needed to be. And I like how, of course, it's kind of um, merged and kind of evolved since then where the straps and buckles of this suit, not to get all like Rob Liefeld, you know, 90s X-Men, you know, Cable and X-Force, you know, <laughs> not everything has to have a holster and a buckle, but there's <laughs> there's enough of it where it's not as 90s comic, but it has evolved to get a little more different as it's gone on. Where, way, more away from the Star Spine yeah. type thing, like... Sure, and but the the fun part is, and you said it with "Have your cake and eat it too." We still get the silly costume in, yeah. in the USO tour, which was perfect. You know, the the cuffed boots and the big gloves and the and the really bright colors and the little wings on the hat. Like, we get all that for fun, and the fact that it plays it for fun and then makes them serious later, it just it just owns it in a nice way. And I'm one of those guy people who says. Um, comic book movies don't get enough credit when the Oscars get here for the arts and crafts of it all. Like, okay, fine, maybe these comic book movies aren't best picture material, but they're some of the best craftsmanship you'll see in movies when it comes Easy. to production Easy. design and costumes and and just those levels of, of art and craft. And this movie, to me, uh, production design, like all that 40s stuff, this, I mean, even just the stages that they do the USO tour on and then all the Hydra bases and like... It looks great from a production design standpoint and a costume design standpoint. I I put this movie above everything else that given year for those two departments, and it looks great. No. Yeah, I actually couldn't agree more. I, I I actually thought when they went with that corny kind of forty ISO kind of yeah. promoting kind of thing, I, and and how awkward it was for Chris Evans, like like uh, Steve Rogers yeah. kind of purposely so. And also the fact that they didn't try and like jump and just have it like really, really completely neo cool. Um, mm. I love that. I love the fact that it was always authentic to its time, even with the yeah. shield not being a geometric shape that would like lend it to me, <laughs> bounce off everything. But I loved it. It was just a, a dude who was trying to do everything he could for the war effort, falling into the kind of almost propaganda side of it. And mm -hmm. also being a viable soldier. Busting them bonds. Yeah. I, I love it. yeah. So again, so we talk about like Iron Man or something, and that's a better example for like really, really cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fourteen aesthetics. suits every fucking movie. But this yeah. purposely had aesthetics that were a little bit off. Like he had these little wing kind of uh -huh. bits on, on, on his head, like flash, yeah. and they were silly, like cotton kind of things. They looked stupid, but that it was did. kind of the point. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that, I, it's I, supposed I, you know, to look outdated. 
Yes, yeah. instead of you, uh, slating it for it, you have to respect it. Yeah. So for this, it's almost one of the best examples you could ever have. Yeah. yeah. I like the, so the progression and the progression too. Like when he goes and rescues the 107th and he has his show suit underneath that yeah. really perfect leather jacket. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that perfect chocolate brown is perfect. Yeah. And he's got the A helmet with the goggles, like, but it's kind of blue. Yeah. yeah, that it's kind of blue. And he's got his little show shield. Like the, the blend of that between a little bit of comic, a little bit of function, still some color. It looks great. Yeah. It's my favorite suit of the movie. In fact, his Avenger suit, which I think tries to modernize the cartoonish comic one, I think it's his worst looking one in all the movies. The one in, the, Avenger, la- in the, the one in Avengers, the one next movie on in 2012. So the one where he has the single star on his chest is it? That, that yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Well, just the one from the event. Texas the, the, motherfucker. Yeah. So like the one Coulson finds for him, you know, yeah. like oh, you, like that one to me, like I know it's the most comic accurate one, yeah. but it looks it looks it looks CW bad. Yeah, I, I like yeah. when they, they kind of do the combination of uh, Steve's suit with the kind of the military kind of uniform at the, at the time. And even yeah. even later on where he's kind of he's uh, in um, Endgame where uh-huh. he, and, and Infinity War, where he's just like the suit just looks worn. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It looks like an actual jumpsuit that a guy has worn yeah. in 15 battles. You know what I mean? It yeah. probably yeah, stinks yeah, yeah. or something. You know, that's if what the, I love about, you know, the, if, when the weather is, you know. If there's a comic look I wish they could have incorporated somewhere, maybe not this movie, but in later movies, I always like, because it looks so good on the drawn comic, was the scalloped layer to the blue up top and the shoulders before you got to the red, white, and waist, you know, waist and abs area where just that, yeah, that look would have been cool. I don't know how they would have pulled it off in this movie. Obviously, they kind of do it with like the pads and the layers of like the, the fabric on the military uniform. And they kind of have that with the, I don't know, the, the, in the end game suit, like you're saying, just the kind of the I don't know how to say it, but like it's not as full scallop like the drop down layers like leaf armor or the old yeah, medieval stuff, it, but yeah. but something it's texturized enough, you know. Yeah. But that was a, that's a look I think was a missed opportunity somewhere. I do you think it could be like the they wanted to like uh he's like the symbol uh, the symbolism for the American flag. And it's kind of like, yeah. do you know, like a, a battle-born flag that's been carried from, like, like at the start, it's just like he's mm-hmm. shining. It's just like beautiful. The colors are popping. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the next battle, it's a little bit dirtier. The next battle, yeah. it might be a little bit torn. And that's what Steve Rogers for me is. He's like a battle-born yeah. American flag, but it's like in game, you know. No, what Noel said in Endgame is perfect. Like, th- there's enough red, white, and blue there to be like, yep, that's Captain America. But enough beat upness to be like, woo, he's seen some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I like him in um, uh, Winter Soldier too, where he's kind of wearing oh, that, nearly, nearly like blue, a, with like a yeah. shield. It's nearly like a that shield cool. uniform. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, but what, what, uh, Noel? Do you have anything else you want to say about the suits, or do you want to talk about the climax? Then we head to the break. Yeah, no, no, we'll move on. We'll yeah. definitely move on. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. What do you make of the like the run through? I thought it was one of the most heartbreaking uh, up until probably maybe Endgame. Uh, the sacrificial, uh, sacrificial play by Steve. When he, he chases Red Skull from his headquarters yep. onto this, uh, I love the line from um, is it uh, Toby Jones? And he's like, "Where's mm-hmm. the target?" And he's like, the "Target's everywhere." <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I love that. It was like, but it shows you the scale of it. Like, and what, what did you make of the run through of Steve throwing people over the the airplane and in his final battle with Red Skull before he makes a sacrificial play? I I dig it. You know, you need to have. I think I think we all know any good comic book fan knows it's coming. 
Yeah. You know, you know it's coming all movie that how are you going to put Steve on ice and bring him to the now? Like it's especially because the movie took place all in the 40s. You're just waiting for that that proverbial shoe to drop. Like how how are we going to get there? And of course, I guess they they enter it in the movie like when they find his artifacts and ice. So how are you going to get there? And even with the movie's ticking clock, you're like, oh man, we're you're not a lot of time left to have this happen. And you you do need one legit good mono mono physical battle with Red Skull, and you get that because you do not, get it, you get it, you know. And the cool part is you see the physical the physical toughness of Red Skull as much as the maniacal, mean, evil stuff. Like, he can spout his lines from across the room and make things sound evil, but he'll still punch your fucking lights out. And he still has all this power around him that between the cube and the other things he can do, like, there's there's a scenario there where Steve can lose against Red Skull, and you believe it for a while there. Yeah. You know he's going to end up in the ice and it's going to go bad. Yeah, I always I always shit on a film, and uh, I always call it the Matrix Reloaded factor. Is oh, that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when like, okay, so like, what if I shot you with a million bullets? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, what if cool. I hit you with like fifty million versions of the guy that nearly bet you to death the last time? Yeah. Too easy. One thing I like about, about the climax was that they managed to not only put Steve on ice, but they're kind of like, okay, we're gonna have to create some sort of way of a Red Skull's death or his mm-hmm. uh, it, the conclusion to his story is kind of ambiguous. So yeah. they have him like jettisoned off into the cosmos or whatever. And like we never see him again until like in uh, Endgame. You know what I mean? Like or Big surprise uh, too. Yeah, Had you know, no idea that was coming. Played by Ross Mark. No, 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 no. I wasn't expecting Red Skull when Thanos went to whatever the fucking name Bormier, was. Bormier thing. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Um, fuck me. No, I wasn't expecting it at all. But uh, yeah, I, I do... More foundation I, I thought, building, you know. And it's yeah, the, exactly. The te- but this is again macro. Well, like, it just fucks with you, man. It just fucks mm-hmm. with you. And I, I honestly got to think, like, to be honest with you, uh, I, I, a little personal info. I just found out a few weeks ago from some some woman I was seeing from mental health issues that I have ADD. That kind of just like, oh, actually makes an awful lot of sense. And yeah. I just remember being the dumbass kid, but I wasn't really particularly dumb. <laughs> I just couldn't fucking get my shit together. Yeah. And it was that other guy that got his shit together and it was just fucking... And I never felt like he was really particularly smarter than me, but, like, this shit just... I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't stick with it. And yeah. honest to God, DC makes me think of myself. <laughs> okay. And I honest to God think Marable, it was that motherfucker that was on the other side of the classroom who got his shit together. And it's not that he's smarter, it's that he got his fucking notes in line. Yeah. And he was like, you know what I'll Did do? I'll use this and then they'll do this. And he killed me. In yeah. mm. I had no idea where that story was going. Well yeah, no. That's me. <laughs> I, at the beginning there, I was like, you're here first. Noel has ADD. Yeah. <laughs> I am the genius kid in school, except I'm DC. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, uh-huh. I like the at least smart kid in school, but I'm DC. And you're like, oh yeah. no. <laughs> like, yeah, but, no, like I, I know all of the numbers, like like a million, ten. <laughs> I know I know all the numbers. I should be allowed to make films too. Sure. <laughs> no, come back on the rails. Come back on the rails. Right. No, but but in uh but in talking about stakes and in talking about the conclusion of this movie and kind of the adventure has to get to a peak, I think that's also where Joe Johnson is just perfect for this. Like yeah. I know right before this movie he kinda of half bombed with the Wolfman and I'm like, Oh man, he's never gonna get another bite of the apple and then here comes Marvel walking in and it really helps because he you know, he brought you know, obviously he was brought in for his period flavor, stuff like the Rocketeer, yeah. which is an awesome movie. Yeah. And, uh, 
movie. Rented Loved that, that movie. movie so many times. Same thing. Just a nice, earnest movie there too. And not every same thing. Not every superhero That's, movie needs to have a a, a wise occurred antihero. Just have a good dude. That's what Marvel do, though, isn't it? To see what yeah. you've done in your back catalog and to try to kind of match it up with the appropriate yeah, and movie. That's the yeah, Marvel. Marvel's done a good job of recruiting the right talent for the right spot. Like, and I. And here's something we can kind of throw towards Will, on my podcast partner, when Ant-Man gets here. Ant-Man is kind of dippy and silly, the fact that he just, just shrinks. Yeah. Where Edgar Wright, the original choice there, would have been a lot of fun to see that him play with that kind of world. Now, they ended up settling on like a romantic comedy specialist, and it, it plays yeah, Pey- with... Peyton Reed. Yeah, and it plays well with what Paul Rudd and what he's good at with his charm, and it, it worked. You know, I would have loved to see the Edgar Wright version of that movie, but... Uh, Peyton Reed was fine. We might and get yeah, seen in the multiverse. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. Be but no, Joe Johnson is a good choice, not just because of his period expertise, but because of his ability to just have to 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 pace and cut uh, adventure. Like he he can make a scene like Noel saying, show some stakes, have a peak, have some loss. Like he he gets you going. Not quite roller coaster, but he's a little bit of Spielberg Jr. Spielberg yeah. knows how to linger on a moment and make you doubt. Like, oh my God, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? I don't know if they're going to make it. <laughs> yeah. And then Johnston knows how to do that because he kind of came up in that tree with Spielberg as a you know as a pro- I don't know not not quite a protege, but. In the, he worked on uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark as a technical guy. So Indiana Jones is definitely yeah. in Captain America. You can see it there, like you know. Well, I love that joke the Red Skull makes. Instead of digging for treasures in the desert, you know, like <laughs> oh, so we're looking for the Ark of the Covenant too here, huh? <laughs> Do you think that was a pure nod to Indiana Jones? Absolutely, I think it was. <laughs> and that and um, that's the next thing that surprised me about this movie back when it came out was the writers of this movie were just the dudes that did the Narnia movies. We're like, they can't make a superhero movie. Yeah. And and here comes um, and the two guys are, what is it? Uh, McFeely Chris Marcus and, and Steve yeah. McFeely. And here they have been since one of the best handlers of the whole, the whole universe since like, They've been hands-on with the Thor movies since then. They've helped with the with the Russos and the and the and the Avengers movies, where they've become indispensable. And I would have never thought they would be. Yeah, but do you think because Marvel's like as we talked about, they see the potential, like the Russos, um, they seeing that like okay, did not not only can they operate within the studio system that we spoke about in Incredible Hulk, but mm-hmm. they also they're good at building foundations. People that are used to. I agree. Uh, long form storytelling in TV you, like as you said The Flash you got a 22 episode run every season yeah. you're going to have to build out that continuous story arc even though you have a monster yeah. to beat. So, and you know there's not one writer doing 21 episodes it's exactly, like 14 yeah. writers all hired in to yeah. cover yeah, one, the, the one villain of the week runner, but yeah. one showrunner you know that kind of thing so yeah. Kevin Feige is like the showrunner and these guys that are used to operating on TV and they're able to come in and like okay you've got this episode which is happens to be Avengers Infinity War <laughs> you know what I mean yeah you know, I think that that's the way Marvel. This episode, operate. don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it may or may not be a two hundred million dollar yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I think uh, one more ingredient, kind of like where it's been indispensable and a necessary foundation, in the same way that we're talking about Captain America. Like, if you don't have Captain America, everything else after after it doesn't work. I think a a movie making f- piece of foundation that happens here is Alan Silvestri's music. Yeah. You know, his uh, and obviously he's a throwback old school, you know, uh, composer because all these up to that point, all these Marvel movies were made by 
uh, other than Christopher Doyle, who's an old-school guy doing Thor with Kenneth Branagh, most of these uh, composers like Henry Jackman and uh, Brian Tyler are new-school guys that aren't good at themes. Like, they're good at filler music. They're good at making pace and pulse and excitement but they're not good at like making memorable motifs and themes and Silvestri being an old school 80s guy you know back to the future like you know when you think of back to the future you cannot get that little chord and motif out of your head like he can make a theme and until Captain until Captain America got this music with that theme the that was the number one ingredient in what became the Avengers theme further and it I was I was so happy to see that Silvestri got to continue and it's almost like the old guy showing up going hey kids this is how it's done you got to make something that has guts to it and has i hate to say it repetition to it like a theme works because you repeat it you apply your other parts of the music to it and these marvel movies beforehand and even some of them after that are just kind of made by lesser people who haven't don't don't have a sense of theme they just make filler music for the moment don't understand that and i'm glad that this foundation was made because since then we have that Avengers music that goes on in our head where we hear it and we know, oh man, that's the Avengers music because that's one thing DC always got right was when you hear that Williams music in Superman, you know it's fucking Superman. You hear Elfman's music in Batman, you're like, damn it, man, that's Batman. And Marvel didn't have that identity at all. The Spider-Man movies got close with Elfman, but here they finally found that musical identity and it helped so much. That's something I liked about Winter Soldier too. I don't know if Sylvester came back and did the uh, He did not. Yeah. um, I love the way they had that kind of real intense repetition every time the Winter Soldier was on screen. Yeah. And it just like, it was kind of like, it was like, it was just, it was playing every single time he came on. And it always felt like that there was pressure, that was intensity. And I was like, that's one thing I loved about Winter Soldier that it, uh, every time there's an action sequence in that mm-hmm. movie, it's always on a nice edge. Whether or not they're yeah. going to make it out, but whether or not your heroes are going to survive, it's always so cl- uh, cut and dry, you know, or not the cut and dry. Sorry. Never- it's not right, the case right. the scale. It, it was just because be. the Winter Soldier was such a matched adversary for Steve Rogers. Exactly. That, I've yes. said this, yeah. sorry, I've said this to Vinny, that the reason Brandon Roth's Superman failed is he had nothing to punch. Yeah. And I always said power sets. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. like, somebody who could make all water evaporate forever wouldn't be good against a water base. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It needs to be something that is not too, yeah. one, too powerful mm-hmm. against the other, and it needs to be even. Yeah. yeah, they need to be an equal. They have to be the exact have... opposite of one another, exactly. or the exact same, pretty much. So they right. could fight in one arena, or they could fight across one planet, like Zodin yeah. and uh, and Kal-el mm-hmm. and, and Superman, uh, or or it would be Falcon and Winter Soldier, and it just right. works. Yeah, and I always think that that is a thing. Again, Brandon Roth, I always Ruth or whatever his name is, I always felt real sorry for him because I thought that was. The one thing his film was missing. Yeah. And, and it's I, so I, unforgivable, I think. I know. And especially if you're making this big hullabaloo of bringing him back. Like, go ahead and have Kevin Spacey as the puppeteer from above doing yeah. the Lex Luthor thing. Not unlike what they tried with Jesse Eisenberg later, where yeah. Luthor's not going to get his hands dirty, but he's going to put his hand in everything. You need a soldier villain as well as the You need villain. something to beat up, you know. You're, you said it. You need something you to punch. But if I and, could punch but it, it can't be do- But it can't be Doomsday. Exactly, and, it can't and be, but if I could and, punch a, a meteor and the meteor comes out the wrong side of it, Zod right. give me a dude, and it's just because yeah. of my I thought like Michael my Shannon cold. Zod was the perfect uh, encapsulation of both uh, archetypes in terms of villains. Yeah, like you know, that, he was that, the one and he was able to punch Superman. You know, the one shame about that is we've seen Zod done before. 
You know, yep. like if Michael, if, if we had never seen General Zod before, Terrence Michael Stamp Shannon was really, really good. But the fact that we can always rewind and see Terrence Stamp doing his new before Zod, getting <laughs> Shakespearean about <laughs> it, like that's fun. He was and he, and great. He was great. Awesome. Just, yeah. just for awesome that style of movie. Great. Yeah. Another example of DCU. Oh, yeah. Like another example of the DC universe having to constantly no recycle the same people. Yeah, yeah. you know. And that's like, an issue. But Brainiac would have been fine, like because mm. you know, Brainiac can kind of become anything, be physically imposing, and then still yeah. something you know, well, you smart enough that Luthor can Brainiac, do. Yeah, you, you yeah. destroy a model of Brainiac because Brainiac mm. was even cool in that Krypton it, yeah, show. It, like, so you, yeah, it, it, Brainiac's well, better than Ultron. Yeah, when you yeah, think about it's it, all, yeah, way better, hundred percent. Yeah, he's traveled the universe. He's you know, yeah, absolutely. So that that was it. It's like this unforgivable thing. But I, I mm. always thought that that's what again another thing that. Captain America got right. I don't know yeah, if I got everything right, but I always thought that's that the as thing. far as a pure, a pure comic book film, I've never seen a pure comic yeah. book film as good yeah. as the first Captain America. I haven't. Yeah. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. I ever will. Yeah. No, I, I, I've seen better, but I've never yeah. seen as pure. Sure. Yeah. No, it, it was definitely the the kind of the, the blueprint of how you pay homage to the source material whilst at the same time modernizing the character. Well, you know so, what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Very, very few comic book movies have done that. I think a small example on the side, on the darker end, where you honor the source material, but you're obviously doing something for your era, and there's still some purity to it, is The Crow. Yeah, oh, like, such a good movie. Yeah, just like, I know you can't completely hard, I mean, it's still a hard R movie, but you can't, I know you can't go as super dark as the comic, but can Fire you go dark up. enough? Fire yeah. <laughs> like, you have straight evil versus straight hero in that movie, yet all the darkness and in play and emotions and pieces where nothing's there to be like, hey, we're doing this to show off, or hey, we're yeah. doing this for effects, or hey, we're doing this for some, for some fan ooh-rah-rah -rah cheering stuff. No, it's just a sad dude trying to take care of bad people and get back to the, the hope of a girl it's in that, the crow there's some purity there the, the tone of the crow is probably what you should they should be trying to capture with a batman movie really oh i love that that would be yeah. so cool or here and here this is a great uh, this is a crazy thing you'll you can ask will this one will would love it if batman would go back to being camp like batman's fun <laughs> when no. you know batman's kind of fun like it, tim burton made a dark batman but still had a cheeky fun <laughs> feel to it mm. and batman returns with the penguin and catwoman has a cheeky fun feel to it even with all the darkness and by the time schumacher got to it and kind of went back to full laughy goofy stuff it still kind of plays because when you think about it batman's really dumb and goofy you don't have to go full adam west but lighten up a little bit you know and no no here's the, my fear with the new batman movies is it's just gonna be no one re, no one recooked yeah, dark for dark's sake. Maybe some intrigue here and there, but how how dark can you really go? That is anywhere different than where you've been. Uh, one thing I liked about uh, Nolan's Batman was how he explained the reason for the Batman suit. He's like, I want my enemies to share my dread. Like yeah. it's just it's perfect. Like you know what I mean. Like and like and even like the Joker points out to him later on how like stupid he looks. How stupid. Like how. Yeah. Like, we're the outsiders, you know what I mean? Like, and, we, you know, and we might get that for all we know in the new one, because it sounds like the bat symbol is like the crushed gun of Joe Kill that killed his parents. Like, yeah. okay, villains feel my dread. Not only they're going to feel that, it's the gun that killed my mom and dad. I'm, I'm that fucking mean about I it. I think like, that came from a Kevin Smith run, I think. I think so, too. Mm. So, like, if they're going there, okay, but it still feels like no one recooked, just broiled instead of baked. Like, you're, you're same idea, darker. 
So, so Batman, I, we'll see I, where it goes. I think the issue with Batman is slowly becoming like the superhero James Bond, isn't it? Like every few years, mm. we're going to get a new iteration for in a new style or whatever. And that's the thing. Like, hey, uh, we said it last time. We had our talking points when it came to like rebooting things and, and wiping the slate. Is hey, give it five years, give it yeah. ten years, let it breathe. Let 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 all the things go away. Let a new era come and then start something fresh. I know I don't Sony disagree, will... but to be fair, that's asking for. A lot of patience, and, and students don't, don't have it with cash cows. Yeah, it, 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 like you know, just to play devil's advocate, yeah. you are yeah. asking for an awful lot of patience. I know, I know. And, and, and my job is to make money. <laughs> yeah, and, and it won't we happen. Have a certain amount of intellectual property, so I mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. Well, you know, devil's advocate on it. Just I know. Like, I, I think the out, like, for example, with James Bond, I think the out that they're going to do is, and you, I've heard it done, I think, in the novels or in other places, where the, the James Bond that has the closure in the arc of now will be like a code name the business uses on their next guy later. Like, hey, you're not the James Bond. He's dead and gone. But, hey, here's the code name of our top operative. Yeah. Like somebody else will be James Bond, but they won't be to the me. Guy. To me, I always thought, and I even mentioned we had Steve Rubin on MDK Presents a few months back. And I, to me, I thought that would have made more sense that if James mm-hmm. Bond was just a moniker, like, because uh, why yeah. I, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a spy and I'm going on telling everybody my real name. That makes yeah. no He's, sense to me. Like, no. I'm like a 007 James Bond, so you're giving me your name and your designation. Yeah. That makes yeah. no yeah. sense, <laughs> especially now in the modern era of you let's just say it the internet, let alone yeah. 60s spy movies. So, so like before we hit the break, I want to ask yeah. you one, one last question, all right? So, at the end of Captain America, it brought him into the new uh, it brought him into 2000 and when was this movie made? 2008, 2009, 2012, yeah, is it not? Yeah, so it's like in and around, so the late, so it brought it into the modern era. And we got to see Steve and like we got to see him interact with uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. So bef- like right at the end of this movie, were you excited for the future of Steve Rogers going into the next uh, movies? Yeah, I was. I, I admit I was stoked because I think the rumors were already there that we knew the Avengers were coming. Mm. They got their leader because, like we were saying earlier, like the they need they were missing something. They were missing a leader and a linchpin. And to see this movie build a very pure. To yeah. keep using Noel's word, to you know, great use of the word Noel. I mean, now that the pure guy was in place, but in it the was, truth, yeah, it was always yeah. Noel pure to he, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but now that the true blue guy has stepped forward yeah. to assert himself and be established, yep, I was still like. Everything was in place at that point. Like Iron Man was already cool. Thor was big and bad enough. Um, maybe the Hulk was the one thing. Like, hey, how are they going to pull that off? Can they can they make it happen? And obviously, they didn't announce. They they had, you know, it was Norton was out. We didn't know Ruffalo was coming quite yet. I think it was like Comic Con the year before, probably about when this movie was coming out, where we didn't. Norton, you bellend. Yeah, but we didn't. (laughs) We didn't know the fate of the Hulk. So now that. Uh, Evans was there and like, okay, they'll figure out the Hulk. I'm sure they can pull it off. I was stoked, super stoked. And they they brought it together in such a cool way of like him knowing the ball game and then like the Times Square run, like right out of Vanilla Sky or something like that. It was a pretty cool little moment. Um, Noel, for you? Just phrase the question to me again. Uh, uh, did the climaxes, uh, Captain America, when it brought him into the modern age, uh, leave you excited for his uh, future in the MCU? Yeah, of course. There was something. So he, he actually did feel for me like he was of his era, which I, I just think is a real credit to Chris Evans. Like, forget all the superhero, di- forget everything. Just mm. he did feel like he was of his era. And when he comes to in this new one and, uh, 
you did feel it just had that epicness of mm-hmm. again like the fellowship of the rings where they go over the hill mm-hmm. and it's it's subtle but they, yeah. they reach a new land and then mm-hmm. you knew that now it's an entire different set of rules yeah yeah and it felt like it yeah and i for, thought yeah. they did that well and then, you know you had nick fury kind of saying like you know welcome to whatever yeah uh, but i i do i i do think i i do remember getting like a chill kind of going wow like seriously finally here yeah. we go yeah, for and, and then, and then even when you have all that pump up, you know, chill. His first thought is that the girl he missed. I love that. Yeah, you yeah. know, like he, his first thought when he comes to is like, oh, I missed it. You know, yeah. and I, I, I must indeed. have really missed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Because well, he had given everything. Because he was always yeah. going to give everything. But yeah. at the end of it, he'd hope to go home. Yeah, and he was willing I, to die. But that was the thing. A soldier is willing to die, but hopes to go home, and he got yeah. neither. I, I, I got a question. I got a question for you. I know it was just a, a, a matter of like giving Halle Atwell more chances to appear. Are you, the sidebar question, are you okay that she appears a few more times? Like, were you hoping to really twist the dagger? Like, hey, like if she would have passed away like in 1998, you know, like should yeah. she have been, should she have been dead and gone instead yes. of linger on? If no. you're asking me, I'm just going to be blunt. I would just say yes, because I, I do think that the brutality of life yeah. and if you're going to go with the brutality of life it's a simple fact that everybody's gone of, yes yeah. i can think of I... one or two awful examples yeah. in my life of somebody who the last thing i said to them was something i wish i didn't say mm-hmm. or somebody yeah. i wish i spent more time with my life is not a particularly tragic one by any stretch of the imagination sure. i'm just i'm just 38 years old mm-hmm. i've just literally been on the earth that long and that's what life can often be so i would have gone yes i would have just said like 1998 2001 yeah, a, decent, a decent length of life and yeah. and, and, and no tragedy in, in and of itself mm-hmm. but he didn't get there in time no I, yeah. I, i'm that for me yeah no i, I think, would have done that i think I they wanted that too i think they were always hinting at the whole thing that steve did go back through time because there's one part where she sees Steve and she's like, Steve, or she, she says that you're my husband or something. Doesn't she say to him one of the movies where she confused him for her husband? And like, yeah. so I think there were hinting that maybe the it was right Apple- there in Winter Soldier, wasn't it? Yeah, where she he visits an old visits old Peggy, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think yeah. they were hinting at that they uh, they always live together. Um, so I just think it was his destiny to have this weird in his mind a bittersweet kind of thing like that he needed to say goodbye that he was so close yeah because her funeral is in civil war right yeah because yeah. he goes away he gets a phone call yeah i would have i'm with i'm with noel i would have loved none of that to be there because then because you can still have his end game ending where she's there like in the in the time travel scenes and like holy cow look at her there yeah. she is and like that's enough of a comeback yeah. for her that he could still get that wonderfully beautiful ending without the senior stuff that came to be later. No, yeah, I no. don't think I will. Yeah, yeah no, I think they wanted him, uh, Marvel or DMC wanted him to see what he missed out on. I, I lo- yeah, I, lo- oh, I yeah, love the no, ending. There's he no takes. wrong yeah. answer. It's just that's, yeah. that's where my mind lands. Yeah, Simple I got lines. you. Cool beans. So we, uh, we'll uh, go to the break and then we'll come back real quick and then we'll come back with uh, best and worst and uh, what if and then we get the fuck out of here. All right, folks, uh, this is Dark Side of the Moon and we'll see you after the break. And now a word cool. from our sponsor.
Welcome back from the break. Uh, so before we left you, we were talking about Captain America First Avenger here with uh, Don Shanahan and Noel. So um, Don, uh, one section we always like to do after the break is the what if. The big question is like a short question, but it's a very big question. What if you were the director of Captain America First Avenger instead of Joe Johnson, what would you have changed? Ooh, if I'm Joe Johnson, I love the tone of what he, like the plan that Joe Johnson had, like going period, uh, you know, um, emphasis on the the layers and production, and even the soft cinematography looks good. Like every and like I said earlier, like hiring Alan Silvestri, all that stuff is is really well in place. If there's a what if, I'm that guy who, I'm, he's nailed it. Don't get me wrong, and obviously he's grown into the character since. But my what if is if it's not Chris Evans. Could it have been somebody else? And I, I admit, I wonder. You hear about those rumors of like John Krasinski or even Sebastian Stan interviewed for, or you know tested for this and got Bucky instead. Or uh, I know Wyatt Russell at the time, you know, uh, screen tested for this. Like the the, the history US of agent. All... Yeah, and he ended up getting U.S. agent later. But I look Johnny at them. I'm trying to think of the list here of the what ifs. I'm going to scroll down and, and burn some airtime here of all the people who test mm-hmm. for this. Like Ryan, here it is. Here's the list Sam Worthington and Will Smith, of all people, were in mm-hmm. early talks to play Captain America. And then later, the people who were auditioned for it were Garrett Headland, Channing Tatum, Scott Porter from Friday Night Lights on TV, Mike Vogel from Cloverfield, Sebastian Stan, Chris Evans, John Krasinski. And then the list gets a little shittier as you go. Like even like Alexander Skarsgård, stuff like that. My brain of what if is if it wasn't Chris Evans, I think the popular name that always rises up is like is John Krasinski. What what does this movie look like with with John Krasinski kind of pre-office or like at the same time as the office? Mm. That's my what if is what how would this movie play without Chris? No. Well, actually, it's a good question because it's not exactly a straightforward one, is it? Mm, no. I, I absolutely will fight to the death about how amazing Chris Evans was. And I Same think here. All kind of, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think we all mm. will. Well, like, the, I don't know. Perfection was Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man because, A, Robert Downey Jr. just worked as Iron Man he just is as a, a personal level. Yeah. Uh, I, but, like, just that absolute perfection. But honestly, it is a Christopher Reeves type thing. I, I just I just think he was the all-American. I think he was the blue-eyed, you know, good-looking kind of salt-of-the-earth kind yeah. of character. And I think he played that extremely well. Um, the fact of the matter is perhaps it could. Like in an alternate universe where somebody had it played by John Krasinski, just to show it with name, you throw out. And, and you said, like, what if the guy who played Johnny Storm played him? And he kind of gone, Really? Yeah, the Johnny yeah, yeah. Storm guy? No, 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 no. I'll stick with my John Krasinski universe, my Sebastian Stan universe. I could mm-hmm. see it, but at the yeah. same time, no. I, I, I honestly got to think like Chris Evans. I, Chris Evans was Johnny Storm, but Chris Evans poured his heart into Captain America. He got, the, he got the feeling that he, it, it was, it was something that him. he. Yeah, it meant something to him. It was mm. real, like you know. So I, I, I don't know. I don't really know how to answer the question because I'm not sure that it's a question that's framed in a way that has an answer. All I know is that Chris Evans worked his ass off for it, and I and, that, and that's America's ass. Yeah, and that's America's <laughs> ass. But I did. But I, I just bought him every step of the way. But what would you change, just... Noel, if you were the director? Oh God, I, I you know what? I, I'm not exactly sure because I love Sebastian Stan. I loved, I absolutely loved Hugo Weaving, 
I um, loved uh, Chris Evans. I thought maybe maybe I would have kept um, Hugo Weaving alive, but only just in the sense that I think he was because he's like the Joker of Captain America or something. I would have liked maybe a little bit more utility between. That was out of their hands, though, wasn't it? Because that was out of their hands in in a way. So maybe if just the call was mine, I could say, "Fuck you! This is what I'm doing." But it's not to say that it was a perfect film because it's not like a perfect film. But I just thought that to set Captain America on his way to being an Avenger, I find like as an armchair director, fuck me and fuck my opinions. Uh, but I, 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 He's a but I would, I, I would have maybe, I would have maybe made, made it a bit more gratuitous because fuck them, they're Nazis. Yeah, and It'd you could have leaned into Nazis. that more because like like Captain America killed people in that film. And it was understated, or it was left to like, did he? Like, as in, yeah, he yeah. threw this. Well, like, you, yeah, see the gun guns, you see the guns a... shot on screen, but you never see where the bullets are hitting. Mm. Exactly. And yeah. I'm kind of thinking, like, well, if I had the strength of low key, the strength of 12 adult men, and I threw the hardest metal in the known universe into your skull with said strength, would you be dead? Yes. Yes, the answer is yes. Yeah, but you can have <laughs> but like, you have to have implied that when you're trying to get that PG thirteen rating. Exactly, you have so to have implied that. So I, I would have loved to lean into it more. But again, everything about this was so strategically well done that I find it hard to pick apart. Yeah. I, I only know if I didn't have to care about any of those factors, that I would have had it been a little bit more gratuitous. Yeah. Because it was a war film based in World War Two, and that was no, that was no little thing. That was nothing. That was shy. That's is shied away from in other films and it was shied away from a little bit to get its rating if i was trained something just for my own selfish purposes it would be that yeah one thing one thing like with the gratuity of the violence is that i noticed when i was watching captain america that it seems to be more acceptable to have people die in explosions than it is for them to die personally you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's like anytime he normally kills people in this, it's like he'll blow up a bike and the next guy will drive into and he'll explode. And of course, everyone in that situation is dead. But because it's shown as a fireball and not people on fire, it's acceptable. You know, that kind of thing. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And how many Disney movies have we had where the villains fall to their death, where we don't see splat on the pavement? But yeah, that's a, uh, that's man, a it safe way. Think of, um... Yeah. You and the Beast, where Gaston or whatever his name is, the, yeah. the, the actual tautness of the rope in the shadow. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, for Disney, oh, that Tarzan. Was like, yeah. Insane. Have it's a dude problem. hanging there? That was that was ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry, one second. What about you, Vinny? What would you change? Um, I think I would have had him get into the action a little bit sooner. Like, I, I love the, the build fair. up. I love the build up. I'm all like, I, I suck my, I tend to criticize movies generally. It's about pacing, how you use your time. That's a lot to you. So you mentioned this movie's just over two hours long. It's not like one of them two and a half hour movies. So like his origin story is important and the way the structure it was very well done. But maybe you can condense that a little bit more. Just knock a bit, 10, maybe 10 more minutes off. And then you get a bit more screen time with the Red Skull and Steve Rogers. Yeah. They didn't share a lot of screen time, even though they had two fight sequences when he's when he freed the 107 and mm-hmm. in the climax. But like, so even though they had some screen time and but I would have liked to see them develop that uh, relationship a bit more. So it could have carried the, the kind of the struggle a bit more, like maybe have Red Skull personally kill Bucky. So there's more stakes there and there's more hatred yeah. and stuff, stuff like that. I think when you have a debt, you can really make it mean something, not just because of the debt, but because who uh, commits the crime, who kills the person. So I think yeah. if you have Red Skull instead of some armored uh, Hydra goon 
killing Bucky. I think it would have yeah. uh, heightened the stakes a bit more, would have created that bit more personality mm. between Captain America and Red Skull because really the only reason they were at, uh, at odds was because of different ide- ideologies and not right. because there was a real personal connection. I think the scary, can... the scary yeah. thing about war is always that the guy, the night prowler who goes from door to door killing and robbing people knows he's a scumbag like knows he's a bad guy and i always thought the scary thing about war is that everyone's right yeah and I, yeah when, when it's they like what barry pepper says in saving rain if god's on our side who's on theirs right yeah yeah you know so i just think like with captain america i thought they had these opportunities that if you trim a little bit of the origin story pre-war that you have these opportunities to make it a bit more personal, have a bit more screen time with your two central uh, characters, uh, Steve Rogers and Red and the Red Skull. So I can never remember his name. Something Schmidt. What was his first name? Uh, Johan. Johan jo- Schmidt. Jo- Johan Schmidt. And um, yeah. so, like, I just think like if you have a bit more screen time with them, you have the Red Skull kill Bucky or cause like you know him to fall from the train or whatever. That you create this uh, personal kind of conflict within a greater scale of the war itself. And that's one thing I liked about. Um, uh, last of the Mohicans. It's just like this massive war, but they encapsulate this personal story because they create mm-hmm. these personal stakes between the villain and the hero. And you yeah, can I do that. that. And so, like, uh, you could tell a very personal story within a greater sc- uh, scope. So, World War II, greater scope, opposite ideologies. That's the reason they went into conflict. But the reason mm-hmm. you heighten the conflict, you kill Bucky, have Red Skull be the person that kills him. So, like, I think you can create that more of a personal connection inside the greater story because they're always going to go against each other. But you need to make it more personal because, like, they're all because, like, if 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 I'm a Nazi and you're the top level American soldier, we're always going to be at odds because of the different ideologies. We're at, literally at war with each yeah. other. And who's to say who's right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, I would like to completely walk that one back. I'm just sorry. <laughs> you heard it here first. Noel thinks the Nazis had a point. <laughs> I just feel like they should have been listening. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Please don't structure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It would be just like the finding. I probably become famous now. Just based on that, just <laughs> no <Nulty. laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no gate. Except everyone in America calls it Noel Gate. Right, you're gonna get that shit for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just think you can create more personal link between the, vi- the central villain, central hero, and then heighten stakes as you go along throughout mm-hmm. the story. Um, so that's my what if. We heard Don's, we heard Noel's, and so we get into the best and worst, and then we get the fuck out of here. We've all got things to do, Don. So thank you so much for coming on with us. So Don, uh, what's your best uh, of the Captain America First Avenger experience? Um, the best is the the period feel. You know, uh, I, I love the 40s and the look of it. Um, I know we you just got done talking about from a what-if standpoint that you, you're you spending an awful lot of time on origin and all that. It, yeah. with the, but, but I – maybe – I'm with you. Like if you trim some of the Howard Stark stuff out, like maybe you don't go to the little science fair. Maybe you don't have, you know, the fun Dewey scene and, and there's places you can – certainly trim and, and get that out of there but i love the 40s feel you know the mm. the the world war ii nature of it you know there's an excuse to have tommy lee jones where and then um sylvester's music which kind of pops and plays with that kind of you know sense of adventure in that time period yeah so for me the best is the period feel if there's one little extra credit best i'll put in there is um the stan lee cameo i know stan lee wasn't <laughs> as hands-on with captain america as he was other heroes but he's got a nice cameo but um a lot of people never give credit for the guy sitting next to him 
Brown. The guy sitting next to Stanley in the cameo is Reb Brown, who played Captain America in the old 1979 <laughs> TV movie. <laughs> so amazing. like a cool little get there. And uh, so, yeah, the, the period feel, you know, it, from production, costumes, all the art stuff, it just looks great. Yeah. And it, the... The the show I know the USO part is probably another place you can trim some minutes, but like sure. the the look of all that, like the montage with the movies and the comics and the the kids and the and the dancers, it's it's fluff, but it looks really good. Yeah, they, they pull off everything they tried to do. Isn't it? And that's the thing. Even if some things you can say trim here, trim there, you can understand why it's included in the way oh, it's yeah. included. You know. But so um, Noel, what's your best? I think the best for me is that. When I got so incredibly, and it was early on that I got so incredibly sick of origin stories. A, I'm a comic book reader since the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck off. <laughs> just, if, if, if films were only meant exactly. for me, and let's just say, and, and, and they're only meant for me, and I'm the only one that matters, I yeah. would just say, no, please, just, yeah, no, skip, 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 skip. Yeah. I this that. one, I would say, no, 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 because... Steve Rogers is Captain America. That's just a note. That's an AKA. It's not, it's not a secret identity. It's an AKA. Yeah. It's, it's Steve Rogers becoming Captain America. There's again, that's uh, um, Don like the words. Well, I suppose I'll just see you again. There was a, just something so pure yeah. about it. And especially with the way he comes into his power. And it reminds me of the sword and the stone. Although maybe that was more regal, but like Arthur was the one who was supposed to rule. Like something so was, predestined about it. Yeah, something so yeah. predestined about it is that like if we did it with that like big hard ass that's able to run like the whatever he's able to run the hundred yards in ten point one seconds or yeah. or that guy who's like you know he's got a purple heart like you get another Schmidt. But Steve Rogers before mm-hmm. he'd ever ever put his foot to the ground on on war soil. Um, was destined to be Captain America and there was something so cool about that and it gave me chills I've watched that film I confused one of our uh, previous podcasts and I watched Captain America and then I realised no sorry that was the next one so I've watched Captain America uh, twice now in the last few weeks and I, I, I so three four times in total but I still got this chill at that particular moment the transformation sequence just, it, yeah it's just yeah. something about actually like forget that it's me or you there's something like I'd, I'd like, I'd like, you know, like the way you want to be remembered. Were you mm-hmm. just good? Like, like ultimately, were you good? Forget everything else. And Steve Rogers was so good from such an early period that he became a superhero. And that is the best origin story of any superhero film ever. Mm-hmm. Fuck your bit by a spider. Fuck you caught in a gamma blast. Fuck the fact that you were sent to a mm-hmm. planet where your alien DNA made you a god. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that that it was the most purest. It was the purest origin story. And if somebody told me I hate origin stories, I would say, "Cool, skip, 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 skip." Yeah. But if they said, "I'm going to skip the first Captain America," and it's not even the best Captain it's, America, it's the strongest Slap trilogy. Across the back of the yeah. head, I wouldn't have it. The strongest have trilogy it. of all the Marvel strongest trilogy. easily. Easy. So that's best for me because he said uh, the, the the period I thought was excellent as well. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know what? The origin story done to perfection, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it's, the best for me. To, to, I'll summarize what Noel said. It's just the pecs again. It's the pecs. <laughs> it's the pecs. I, I love that. I love that take. Um, 
they they always talk about how it was almost a flub, but it made the movie is when Halle Atwell was so like it was the first take, and it's the first time she sees Chris all done up like that, and she almost reaches to touch him, and it was it was actually a flub, and they're like, that's too good, we're keeping it in the movie. Does she, does she just like literally get horny and just like she did? She admits it. Touch the beautiful man. Yeah, she admits that in interviews. She's like, I was so taken aback. I just wanted to know what they felt like, and they and they that, I lost it on a take, and they almost put it in the movie. She was so taken. I love that we saw Steve Rogers. Rogers as the 87 pound Steve Rogers though as well yeah. before that like yeah, yeah. absolutely and you know what like I'm so straight on. guys but like it's been tested Joe has like made me question things Chris Evans reveal has made me made me rethink things yeah there's some man crush action there yeah oh my god some man crush action absolutely and I'm not afraid to admit Right. best yeah my best would be the way they they've melded the aesthetics of the futuristic technology that Hydra were trying to accomplish and the 1940s kind of i don't know is it art deco i don't know what the period of time was back then i don't know yeah i don't know how to call it yourself down but um but like um i just think that like uh the way they kind of mesh the two technologies together like um even at the end i had these futuristic bombs but they had these like weird little propellers and they had like pilots in them so they were like like kind of like the the zeros that the japanese flew the kamikaze missions and stuff so i just thought like um I know. I just I like the way when you do uh, an alternate version of history, and you have to incorporate some sort of like uh, futuristic technology, and you look at how would per- a person back then who's already uh, aware or already knows or has grown up with the technology of that era, how would they react to a futuristic technology if they're exposed to it? Mm-hmm. And what would their interpretation of that uh, futuristic te- technology uh, be like? And how would they interpret it like and stuff? So I like the way uh, with, uh, is it uh, Zola, Armin Zola, and his, the doctor, and his um, interpretation of the, the Tesseract technology and like, but at the same time, we still had this kind of Nazi-esque kind of clunky, oversized type thing that they're known yeah. for, where the bigger resolve is better and that, that kind of thing. But like the size of the tanks and stuff yeah. like that. But or even that, um, even that big car that uh, Red yeah, Storm, like the six-wheel car. car. Yeah, don't yeah. Leave, don't put, leave a scratch. <laughs> yeah, where it has like the the supercharger on the outside and yeah. yeah. The, I, I read a little trivia today where uh, Johnson said that that car is really fun to drive in a straight line because it's so long. It's like a 38-foot turning radius. Like, you couldn't take it around the corner. <laughs> oh but God. it looks good going straight, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Or even, like, um, it, it, when um, when Red Skull is going to self-destruct that factory when they first meets Captain America 107th, like, even just what um, the production design of future versus past, like, um, he has to, like, open up a little glass dome, yeah. flick a certain... Fr- Certain switch, press a little button, and then it's the 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 falling little plastic numbers. You know, like yeah. a, a combination of future and past that still looks like. Who drew that and said, "Hey, you could just push a button to self-destruct it," but no, I'm gonna flip open a perfect little thing, twist a little knob, press a little button, and then have the numbers drop because in such a cool little attention to detail way. I think because the reason that is because if you're a person from like the '40s, that era. Like, even yeah. though, like, the explosion or to get that kind of combustion, you're going to, even though the end is uh, hyper te- uh, hyper advanced, the, the means you're going to use is the technology you're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what yeah. I love about it, because like, even though it's just, like, massive futuristic bomb, they're still using these little shitty one-man yeah. pilot planes. Cause, like, it's amazing. The mindset they had, like, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, had, they, they wanted the ends to be, like, this amazing, like, explosion or whatever this advanced technology the use of it but the means were still 1940s yeah. technology for the most part and i love that about it. 
Yeah, and they would look at us now, like talking to like our Alexa in our house, like Alexa, what's the weather outside? And they'd be like, it's forty-seven degrees outside. They people back then would be like, dude, open a window, just look at the weather. That yeah, we they would call us lazy. We have all this power and amazing yeah. uh, capability, and we we've, we've become lazy. It's yeah. cool. Like there's not a lazy moment in the movie, that's for sure. Yeah, and what's your uh, worst of uh, the Captain America experience? Ooh, this is hard. Um, I've been thinking about it. You don't have to it. shit on it. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. A tweak no. or some yeah. shit, you know? Sure. Um, I think the yeah, just a tweak would be. Oh, this is hard. I, I was racking my brain since yesterday. Two two tweaks I do is um Dominic Cooper is is cheeky and fun as Howard Stark, but he's an extra piece. He's an extra piece in this movie that you probably don't need. It's cute. I know you're building the bridge to where he's going to go for later. And I guess it matters when, you know, Winter Soldier ends up killing the older version of him. And that's don't somebody Captain you. America likely met. And, you know, like you can you're, you're it's the macro layers. I get all that. But it's 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 fluff in this movie. Um, and then another, you know, worst would be, um, gosh, um that suit, I like it. You know, the, the military version of the suit that he comes out with all the buckles and things. But it yeah. is a little Rob Liefeld 90s where you could still be red, white, and blue, true blue, and be functional with a little less than that. Like, you could tell it's a stuntman 90% of the time because he's <laughs> bogged down in 800 layers. Like, yeah, I, I the the Rescue 107th suit of his his stage costume and the, and the leather jacket, that was enough. Like, if that was his costume the rest of the movie... That would look more garrulous and adventuring than, 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 than the, the, the Kevlar weave thing that looks like he's going to go hike to Alaska or something. Yeah, I don't know. No. Small nitpick. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, that's the thing. No, but it's, like, it's sorry, a cool we, suit. But yeah. somebody, I've done, I've done Best important. and Worst with Benny over 30 times, and I've always kind of learned that um, the fact of the matter is, it's don't be afraid to nitpick and yeah. it's, it's like when when a film is really really cool like it, it just changed and for me it would have been that um yeah it was the building of the superhero but um don't forget that you were up against a absolutely awful bad guy like yeah. an awful bad guy like some mm-hmm. like something and something real world as opposed to guardians of the galaxy for example yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like, i like so your yeah. yeah. So, but this was something that was so real. But this is something that would have been great to have a Captain America to absolutely completely crush. Of course, they would have to balance that out with like a Red Skull or something. But mm-hmm. I would have been like just not taking any. I I would love it to have been more of a war film. Yeah. And I don't yeah. I don't discount it for being what it was, and and it was you know to build and it had to be inside of a race. More in the trenches. Iron Man. I get. Yeah. I get. It. Yeah. Exactly. But like less of the. Yeah, like you know, you think about the opening scene of a Saber Private Ryan, the greatest opening scene of a film mm-hmm. ever, and I didn't expect that. I didn't expect like a, a guy in shock looking for his own arm and picking it up off yeah, the ground. Right. I didn't expect that, but I would have loved if it just uh, dived a little bit more into how dark a piece of our history that we almost never reference now <laughs> in our yeah. political views or whatnot. We've just forgotten it. You know what's that? <laughs> yeah. Never I did read. I did read in the trivia that um, the the movie stays very Hydra. Like they don't mention Nazi very much at all. Like they, yeah. they no, cut, they don't. They, no. they they they. It's all Hydra, 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 which is there's fine. A but there's about Hitler kind of bit of fool as in just like, a little. You know, yeah, there's that little nudge that like like. But that's yeah, a place where, you where, can go harder. 
yeah, that that's what like, you could go higher. Go ahead and put the swastikas on the badge next to the Hydra symbol. Like, ma- go ahead and no, just say it. World War Two is shitty. And the bad bad things were happening. Yeah, but obviously there's this like, ooh, they're bad. But when you put a swastika there, there's like a level of disgust, and it was like, yeah, they but they were killing people before you put the swastikas there. They're they're bad. Yeah, it's okay. This is also like, what bad things there. Yeah, this is also late war. This is like 43, 44. So like, it's been like six, eight years of really shitty stuff. Where show well, that for everyone you else? Know. It's not that yeah. long after you guys joined the war. No, but still, credit yeah. for all of it. I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, no! I, you I, guys I, wanted to want it without us. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did steal credit. Are we totally. wonder, like, but fucking yeah. hell. No, we, we stole that one for sure. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Fucking hell. Yeah. Fucking, you fucking won the day. But Ben, Ben. Uh, yeah, what's your worst? My worst to say. Ben to Finn. Ooh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my worst for, uh, probably would be the, apart from the, you know, the the shit I really hated, the shitty Hydra Salu. Um, the, the fucking, the two. That's a nitpick, Ben. And I'm going to have to like put that in the nitpick. That's a small one. I'll yeah, allow yeah. it, but it's a nitpick. No, 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 that's, that's not my worst. Aside, aside from that, I just, I just fucking hated it. But, um, no, uh, my worst would be, um, I was, I know it's hard, right? Yeah. Um, I think, shit, I had it there a second ago and the noise said boom and it scared me a little. <laughs> um shit what was it um i uh, i can't i can't really remember but uh, yeah so it's been a long day but uh, no my my worst probably would be like it's like i keep talking hoping it'll come back as i'm talking but it's not happening um yeah Here, I'll extend on while you're thinking. I'll extend on one of Noel's points of seeing the war further. Do you think I don't want to use the word fan service, but the idea of like the American thing going right now is the whole like wokeness of like how many social issues can you pack in one thing, which is getting really silly over here. Um, If if Steve and it is, and I I, I'm very too much. I'm progressive. I'm yeah. I don't know. Maybe you might consider woke, but there is no. It you, has gone to a degree yeah. where I just think, but fuck. You could, you could be all, you know, there's being progressive and there's talking about every four fucking seconds. Like, hey, just let your, actions, you know let your actions speak more than tweets and stuff. You know Thank what I mean? You. Thank you for putting yeah. it into such an absolutely simple term. Yeah, just live just it instead of talk about it all the time. And just yeah. not like, because so, I, I actually have, sorry, go ahead. No, but I, no, I, I, I no, but I wonder that with Captain America, like if there was a really blatant and it would feel kind of blatant if there was a scene where like he liberated a concentration camp and rescued a bunch of Jews and, you know, had these hugging moments of like, you know, you know, show the darkness of the war. But at the same time, it's a cherry pick moment of easy victory. Would that have looked would that have looked as heroic and be taken as nicely as the actual act would be? Or is that like, oh, you know, it's super convenient that Captain America shows up to liberate this one little tr- concentration camp for the sake of showing the darkness of the war. Yeah, would that have been too easy? Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I think they were trying to keep Captain America on the outskirts of the war, really. Like, you know, have his Doing own separate thing. war. Yeah, yeah the thing. Like, um, but yeah. So I finally remembered what my worst was. Uh, Stole really. well then. Yeah. Uh, but, and Don uh, saved the day. Say it. Say it. Yeah. yeah it's because I'm so woke. It's why we call him. But um, so yeah, uh, how Ers- uh, Erskine's met uh, Steve Rogers for me was just like it was happenstance. 
Like, I yeah. think it would have been better Too if, easy. He was, if he was searching through maybe the back catalogs of all the GIs that have been sending in, and he sees this guy, Steve Rogers, that goes five times, and he keeps getting rejected, but he keeps coming through, and then he sees his name pop back up, and he's like, okay, hold this guy here. And then they mm -hmm. co he comes then, and it seems more like uh, less serendipitous and more like that he was actually yeah. in the search for this guy all along. That's why I would have liked yeah. to see I hate that. Half, really half, yeah, half that scene is there. Like when, when Erskine has the interview and he's able to flip through the records and have them, yeah. half that scene is there. But you're right. The meeting part of it would have been cooler with a little more layer. That's yeah, I'm with start, you. For me, that's the start of the scene. Cut out yeah. Erskine's in the hall. There's no need for him to overhear the conversation with Bucky and Steve. And have he the, walks in, has all the records. Boom. Exactly. Go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I've keep I've been keeping an eye on you or something. Or I see your yeah. name popping up five times, and then he mentions you from Brooklyn, you from Paramus. Mm -hmm. Where are you from? You know. And then you can just there's another five minutes you probably could have cut. You know that kind of thing. Like yeah. you know. So it just shows you that you can actually pace up things in certain ways. But like, uh, thanks for saving my ass though, and I couldn't remember it. Fucking no. <laughs> you I was like I was like lining it up, and I was like boom, and I'm like shit. Where the fuck <laughs> am I? What is going so, on here? So, Noel, you can use this in the future as, like, one of those, like, deprogramming <laughs> words on Vinny. Yeah, just say yeah, boom yeah, and you yeah, lose yeah. him, you know? Yeah. Be like, Vinny, be like, Noel, I just don't think you're putting your all into this podcast. Boom! Or you tell him bad news and then erase it quickly with a boom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So me uh, and Rain have been seeing each other for about three months now. <laughs> boom! Boom! Yeah, oh hey, what'd you say? That was great. Are you? That's exciting. Let's go. Did you say it's raining you were, you, were con you were saying how I deserve more of the proceeds. <laughs> but um, all right, so before we get the fuck out of here, Don, I want to ask you one last question. That is, mm -hmm. do you want to come back for Winter Soldier? Sure. Yeah. If it pisses Will off, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he loves. It. It, uh -huh. You know what? His pain is our reward. Yeah. I will say, I will say, as you march further into this, I will say I'm one of the few people who kind of shits on Civil War. I'm not going to lie. It's still the best trilogy well, that in just MCU. Makes you, that just yeah. makes you more endearing. Okay. That's how bad. Like, yeah. That's how bad. Yeah. Well, no, because, like, it's a Civil War. Yeah, it, but it, 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 sneak preview for later. Civil War to me is what we talked about earlier of pulling punches and lowered stakes. Like, there's not enough of it there. Like, I know there's a tiff with Iron Man and Captain America wow. and and some of the Winter Soldier mixed stuff mixed in there. But like, in the comic, yeah. where like Steve dies over this shit, you I know, read like, it too. like if I'm with to you. me, I read yeah, it Civil War is not a proper Civil War movie until you kill Steve Rogers. Yeah, which is appalling. But they have no balls. Yeah, because it, it was so diluted from the source material that it, it was there was nearly it wasn't even a civil war. Some movie. great scenes. Yeah, great the, scenes. Airport scenes. Great scenes. The politics stuff is good. Spider Man introductions good. But the, you get to the end and you're like, mm, you you don't have the balls to go all the way through it. So, yeah, we'll get so. there. But no, <laughs> I, I'm in for Winter Soldier. You bet. Awesome, awesome. Um, all right, cool. So. Um, we're nearly at the end of phase one now, but like we'll be coming back in a, I know sometime in the future phase two, we want to line up all the guests. Um, but like, all right, so Don, thank you so much for coming and talking about Captain America First Avenger. Um, it's been a long time in the making. I think we first talked about this about a year ago or something. Like, yeah. Crazy. Like, I'm a planning motherfucker. So I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, that was, uh, it was a good shot. And uh, Noel, uh, always nice seeing you, I suppose, you prick. And um, <laughs> all right, that's where you need Vinny. a boom. <laughs> <Vinny>. <laughs> I can't say this enough, Vinny. I could take you or leave you. 
Yeah, <laughs> and I kind of agree with you even more. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, folks, that was the Dark Side of the Moon. I'm your host, Vince Green. I'm your host, Noel John Tui. And we got Karen Mack in the back, and that was Don Shanahan. Don, thank you again very much, and see you next time, folks. Peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs>